Well, welcome everybody to everyone in South Africa watching here. Late afternoon, early evening, welcome as well. Leah, good to see you again. And everyone here in the auditorium, good to have you with us today, guys. We're in, moving on in this series called Come Alive, where self-help ends and God's power begins. You know, I don't know how you find out what's in someone's cup. Someone's trying to prevent you from seeing what they're drinking in their life. How do you find out what's in there? Well, one of the best and surefire ways to see what's in a cup, make sure this isn't too hot, guys, make sure, is to bump it. You ever notice that? When you bump a cup, you can see what's inside. And that's oftentimes the way it is in relationships. We're going to talk today about choosing friends. That's our topic today. And we're going to have a couple of key central passages, but I want you to know something this morning that is so vitally important. I know it can often be said, there's like, wow, this is vital to your life, or this is maybe critical to your life. But I'm telling you today, the people who you choose to call friends have a direct impact on the spiritual trajectory of your life. I'm telling you. This is a vital conversation. And a lot of us don't put enough thought into the friends that we have. And then when it's too late, we find that a person's cup is bumped. And when that cup is bumped, then we see what's really inside them. And that's what comes out. Now, I'm, I'm going to be this candid. Oftentimes, the only thing that will prove what's inside a person and their claims to be your friend is really the adversity that bumps the cup of their soul. Oftentimes, the only way that I have ever really seen what my bride is made out of is when her cup is bumped. And I'm seeing that now. Even with the medical challenges that she's going through, my bride's cup has been bumped, but what's coming out of her is the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Those are really the fruits, as I'm thinking through that right now, those are what's coming out of my wife. But sometimes when our cup gets bumped, what comes out of us is less than perfect. No one in this room is going to be above having your cup bumped and have things coming out of you that are less than perfect. But choosing friends and knowing what you're looking for and being the person that someone else wants to choose is important. I'm going to be this challenging to you today. Having friends is a fundamental element of ordinary life. And choosing the right friends is an essential factor for abundant life. The friends you choose, and there's empirical data on this, impact the choices you make in life. There's plenty of research that's been done on this. Research also shows that the people closest to us can help or hurt our self-control. Even our morality hangs in the balance de depending on the friends we choose. 1 Corinthians 15.33 do not be deceived. That would be self-deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And I think a lot of us think, well, I can rise above those that are nearest to me. The reality is we can't. In fact, social scientists have determined, apart from even Scripture, which would bolster their claim, that we are the net average of our five closest friends that we have in our life. 
And so it's important for us to understand that who we surround ourselves with is vital. I notice some of you looking to one another going, you're my buddy and you you impact me right now. I've seen you looking around out here. That's pretty fun. More than a fan or an acquaintance, the right friend or friends will stick with you through thick and thin and add value to your life in incredibly tangible ways. In Proverbs 27, 6, we find an incredible juxtaposition. Look at these words. Look at these. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. What? Keep this verse up here a little bit. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. We got everything breaking down here. It's good. It's falling out now. We're fine. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Let me give you a contrasting chart that's going to show up in a little publication that's coming your way soon in January. And I want to compare and contrast enemies versus friends, or what I call them, suck-ups versus surgeons. And I really mean this, because what we find here is not enemies as much as presenting suck-ups that you need to delineate between. That's the verse that we just saw in Proverbs 27, 6. But let me compare and contrast. Suck-ups are critical. Surgeons or friends are hopeful. Suck-ups are the betrayer. Friends and surgeons, they're the confider. Suck-ups are prideful. True surgeons are humble. Suck-ups tear down. Surgeons build up. Now it gets dicey. Suck-ups kiss to take. Losing everything here, man. We'll fix that. Suck-ups kiss to take. Surgeons kiss to give. Suck-ups cut to hurt. Surgeons cut to heal. I really believe this. I wish these next three sentences I had on a slide. I'm going to say them for you slowly. I might post this on social media because I worked on it so hard. I need you to put on your thinking caps here with me because I'm going to share it with you. It won't be on the screen. I'm going to give them to you one sentence at a time, and I need you to hear me. If you're averse, that means against or resistant to. I love that word, averse. If you're averse to any pain, you'll see everyone as the enemy. I need you to hear me. If you are averse to any pain, you will see everyone as the enemy. This is what psychologists call as a breeding ground for narcissists. It's a term that I don't like to use a lot because it's an extreme self-enamoredness But a person that is averse to receiving pain sees everyone as a threat to their life. Because they can't handle pain. They're good with you as long as you don't have anything to say that's going to hurt them. Now are there people out there that are pain averse and still have betrayers? Yes. But are there people out there that are pain averse and have people love them but they discount them? Yes. Because they can't handle the wounds of a friend. And hear me now. If you are averse to pain, you will see everyone as a potential enemy. And here's the real danger. Here's the real danger with this thing. You're going to find 
you're going to find that you will have stunted growth the rest of your life. This is hard-hitting, but it's true. This is hard for me to say, and I know this is going out on the internet, but I've got a couple of guys that were in my wedding party. One was my best man. He's a teachable, strong, cool dude. I love this guy. Obviously gone through difficulties in his marriage, but Joe has proven to be a man that was not, I say risk-averse, pain-averse. It wasn't risk-averse either. But he wasn't pain-averse. So his bride would come alongside him and say things to him, and he would report back to me, and he said, wow, man, that hurt. But man, it was good. Where, on the other hand, I had a friend that was in my wedding, and this guy was theologically lined up, man. I mean, he was Hebrew guy. He was a Greek guy. He, he had everything pinned down. Brilliant guy. But I'll tell you what, probably because some of the wounds of his childhood, he had the answer for everyone, he had all the right stuff to say, but it was his way or the highway, and he was averse to pain, and he never benefited from his precious bride, who was a rock star of a woman, and he blew up the marriage because of it. This guy had potential to be in ministry that was profound, and he blew the thing up. It really makes me mad at this guy. I love him. It ticks me off. All because he couldn't handle pain from anyone, so everyone was a potential enemy. Now, if you're blinded to possible pain, this is another side to this, you'll make friends too quickly. If you're blinded to the possibility of there being pain in your life, I'll tell you what, right now, you're going to make friends too hastily. If you're blinded to the potential of pain in this world and in relationships, you'll find yourself wandering into, and could I be this bold here? You'll find yourself talking you in, yourself into relationships, either friendship-wise or maritally, that you never should go into. Now some of you are saying, oh great, I'm sitting next to this person. No. It's kind of like, who's, it's kind of like election and free will. It's like over the banner is whosoever will may come. You walk through that banner, you look at the other side, chosen before the foundations of the world. It's, it's kind of that kind of a, it's a, it's a theological conundrum, but it's true. Once you are married to that person that you are married to, you are in it. What God brings together, let no man tear apart. When you tear apart what God brings together, all hell breaks loose. It does. It's killing our country. So, Got a third sentence here for you. First one, if you're averse to any pain, you'll see everyone as the enemy. Second, if you're blinded to possible pain, you'll make friends too quickly. And sometimes you'll marry them. But when you can differentiate between friendly pain and enemy pain, you'll find friends to walk through life's challenges in victory. The key here is the art of differentiation. The ability to be able to differentiate between someone that's just trying to lay you waste and someone that really wants to help you. Capiche? Thank you. And I want to tell you a story. Because there's some of you here that have the, you think you have the gift of spiritual holy optimism. And you can talk yourself into relationships 
And it's like I'm going to, uh, I'm going to venture through this life, but I'm, I'm, man, I'm, I, there's good in everyone. Well, I get that. We're all made in the image of God. I get that. But I was one of these guys that would walk into relationships and I would just throw my heart out there and often, frankly, it got me in trouble. In fact, I'm going to be bold with you. The most pain I've ever encountered was from two different kinds of people. The most pain I've ever encountered was from true friends. It is beautiful. They tell me the truth. Sometimes it hurts, but it ultimately fills my emotional tank to the, to the full. They are there for me. They're not against me. These friends have loved me well enough to speak the truth when it cut deeply, and I've had that. But they never leave me to bleed. They don't want me to bleed out. They want to be there for me. They're all about health and healing. Having a friend like this is a friend to choose for your walk of faith. And that's what we're going to be aiming at this morning. Choose friends that are willing to cut you, let you bleed, but not bleed out. And you've got to be ready to receive it. They help you run the race. My friends assist me in keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Conversely, the most damage I've ever encountered in my life was from friends as well. God uses even the most crushing events in life to his glory. No one can avoid getting burned by choosing the wrong friends, but learning early warning signs will help you weed out many who would cost you dearly down the road the art of differentiating between someone who is a suck-up and someone who is a surgeon is an art indeed. I was betrayed by him early on. I had a friendship with him. It was going good. We loved football together. We loved watching Monday Night Football together. Man, we'd pal around. He was a respected influence in my life. He taught me a lot of things about communication and the Word of God, and man, pretty powerful. But he betrayed me early on, and that little betrayal was God's little yellow flag to me, just saying, whoop, whoop, this guy's willing to sell you out when the cup gets bumped. And it wasn't big, but it was a little one. Is it enough to go scorched earth on someone? No. Is it enough for God to say to me, Carl? Watch here, I'm showing you something. Yes. Wise counsel warned me to be careful. Wise counsel, hear me now, warned me to be careful. Never be smarter than your wise counsel. Listen to them. So they warned me to be careful. Later, someone said, he's undermining you, I was told. He is undermining you. And then I went back to the grace of God, and I, my statement was, oh, if you knew his background, if you knew what he came from, man, you'd get, he'd give him grace, give him grace. And I'm all into grace, but you got to make sure that you're not bringing those people into that inner circle where they take what's given to you in trust today and hang it with a knife out of your back tomorrow. Then it was too late. The ultimate damage to myself and others was crushing to me, my family, and many others. 
The relational shrapnel, and I'm not being dramatic here, I'm being truthful. The relational shrapnel scarred many. Collateral damage and the lingering effect of relational chaos can be devastating. So I have a critical thing for you to think about here before we go into our central passage. Take an assessment of how you're treating people, especially friends. In any relational damage, there is something you can own. Own any part you played without regard to the other party. God used my pain, then my suck-up that became cruel to bring more order into my life and make me more of a friend to others, a better friend. And know this for certain, no matter how much pain you've had in friendship and with enemies, in friends' clothing, God is ultimately the healer. Listen to me. What we're talking about this morning is absolutely vital. Some of you have people in your sphere of influence that need to not be there. I hadn't planned on saying this because some people say, well, that's not Christian. Oh, it's absolutely Christian. <laughs> it is absolutely imperative that you understand that the inner circle around you are people that are not suck-ups but are genuine surgeons. You can't cast your soul before fools until you've discerned whether they are foolish or wise. You just can't. Before I get into the central passage, I've got a couple of sober thoughts for you that won't be on the screen. Hear my heart. Listen close. These were add-ons in the 11th hour, but they're important. I'm going to give you three things that should not be the basis of deep friendship, and I need you to listen close, and I'm telling you, write it down somewhere. I'm going to give you three things that should never be the basis of deep friendship. They're simple. Common enemies. You know what? I know what it is like to have friendship based on the fact that that son of a gun, we don't like him. Oh, man, those friendships work for a while. They're great. Yeah, we got a common enemy. We hate the Green Bay Packers together. Sorry, Rob, had to throw that at you, man. <laughs> He's a Green Bay Packer fan. That's a small example of what can really be a problem. We find someone in an enemy camp, someone that shafted us, maybe someone that did wrong. But what rallies us together is the fact that we've got a common enemy. And here's the problem with that. What happens when that enemy dies and you got nothing to shoot at anymore? <gasps> That's when friendships come unwound. Let me give you another one. Common pain. We commiserate. We commiserate about things. And let me tell you why this is a big problem. In fact, I was out, I was out my bride and I went out yesterday and we did some a final kind of live marriage counseling with one of our staff members, Isaac, and his bride-to-be, Michaela. Michaela, sharp young lady, she actually gave me a term I had not heard before that deals with this common pain. And I, it's such a powerful term, I hadn't heard it before, and she called it trauma-bonded. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's good. I think I'll use that tomorrow. Trauma-bonded. Now, here's the problem when you're trauma-bonded. What happens when the trauma lifts? 
I've gone through stages of grief, different pace than my wife. And I went through a stage of grief where we went through betrayal, and then I start coming out of this funk. She's still kind of in it. We had a real deep, like, yeah, those son of a guns. We had a common enemy, common pain. And it made us connected at a really different kind of level in a neat way. We drive down the road, yeah, those son of a guns. You know, that kind of a thing. But what happens when Janine starts coming up out of the pain a little bit sooner than Carl or vice versa? It's like, uh uh-oh. We got to have more that brings us together than a common enemy or common pain. And I'm going to give you the third one that should not be the basis of deep friendship or even love or marriage. You ready for this? Commonalities. <laughs> Commonalities ain't going to cut it. Oh, we both love to do 5Ks together. Oh, precious, ain't it? Ain't that cute. Hope you got matching outfits. It ain't going to work. You like horses. Great. Those horses you got, they're great horses. Hope you both like them. That ain't going to keep your love cooking, guys. It doesn't work. So you might ask the question here, what is the basis for good friendships? I'm going to just tell you this because I think you're going to see it in this text implied clearly, and then we're going to jump into the central passage for today, and some of you are thinking, good grief. We'll have you out of here. If you're new here, you need to know we get out always before 2.30. Always. Way before. Just a few minutes. But uh, this is important. This is actually a setup to a passage that's very critical. What is the basis for good friendships and even a great marriage? I'm going to give it to you right now. I'm going to give it to you right now. Common direction and a life vision that revolves around the glorification of God and us teamed up to go there. You're, you're teamed up about being a do-gooder? Pfft, big, big deal. You're teamed up about um, having, uh, even leaving a legacy? What are you going to leave them? You're, you're teamed up about um, you know, the kind of pursuits and wants you have in life and how retirement might go? You're selling short, man. God has more for you. So if we look at Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12, look at what we find. This is not a marriage verse. If you used it at your wedding, it's okay. It works. But this has nothing to do with marriage. It's it's okay. It works. I want to say that again. For those of you that used it at your marriage, it doesn't mean you're not married. It's working. But Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 is just a This is the best central passage and most extensive teaching on friendship in the entire scriptures. Right here. This is it. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Watch this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not 
quickly broken. Leave this up here. I just want to make a couple of comments about this. There's nothing explicit about two plus God equals this chord. It's, a, it's, it's simply a teaching of compounded impact. So let me give you what is clear here. And am I saying uh, it's not worth it to have God? Are you kidding me? When God is at the center, everything changes. And I'm going to illustrate this. But there are, in a value of a friend, there are three observations that I want to give you from this passage that are very, 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 very important. So you've got to ask the question whenever you go study the Bible. The question is, what is, what does the Bible, what is the Scripture saying that it means and then the question is, how does it apply to me? Okay? So let me give you the three. The first is, the true friend value is multiplied impact. Multiplied impact. That's what it says. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Two are better than one because they have a, a reward for their toil. Well, what's going on? Doesn't one person have a reward? Yes. Two are better than one? How is that? The only way I can give this to you is this. It's one of the most amazing phenomenons in God's creation. When a person is going it alone, they possess defined limits of productivity. But add a friend to the equation, I mean a true friend, and I know this with my bride, Janine. One plus one with us equals three. It always does. Sometimes one plus one when we're really walking in the power of the Spirit equals ten. When I am really cooking with Jesus and I'm loving my wife as Christ loved the church, one plus one, sometimes I've seen it equal 25. It's amazing. Multiplied impact. We can see this in draft horses. I'm not calling you draft horse. These big old hairy beasts Big old workhorses. Those amazing beasts can pull, ready for this, 8,000 pounds alone. But there's empirical data on something amazing. Pair them up, put them side by side, one beside another, another four hooved friend, and together they pull 24,000 pounds. Hold it, I thought they're supposed to pull 16. We're just good. I mean, we got a 16,000-pound load here because, you know, 8,000 and that's 16. No. This is one of these laws of life. You get two people, and I'm going to be this bold with you right now, husband and wife, friend and friend. Uh, those of you that are in these cool little first wave discipleship groups, my bride told me last week, she goes, you know what, we're breaking through. We're getting to be more and more friends. It's really awesome. I had a bunch of guys over to my home. We did a night of healing prayer a week ago Thursday, two and a half hours of just praying and believing God for delivery and, and cool things in guys' lives. <laughs> Baby, there was 24,000 pounds getting drug around there. That's what God wants to do. It's amazing. For 34 years I've seen this with my bride. A friend who shoulders the load with you is a friend who wants to maximize the potential in both of you. And let me speak to you men about how important this is in a relationship and then men to men, women to women, it goes for that too. But I got to tell you, in the most intimate relationships that we have and friendships, you got to find someone 
who's willing to be the surgeon because the only way you're going to drag 24,000 pounds off this earth is if you're teamed up with someone who has been authorized by you to be a surgeon in their life. Jose cannot be a man of God unless Shonda has been green-lighted to speak the truth. Angela, you cannot be the woman God wants you to be unless you green-light Katie to speak the truth into your life. Now, when Katie does, you need to listen. She's not 100% right, but she's like 99. Free advice here today. No, I'm serious about this now. And the biggest thing is Katie loves you. I know that. She t- brags about you all the time. Angela's going, can you get off me right now, Pastor Carl, and move on to someone else? I will. I'll get on to my wife. You know, we have these radio coaches. I do radio, and I have preaching coaches. I send my messages to a couple of guys that listen to them all the time. Somebody's going to listen to this message that does not go to this church. Why? I want them to speak into my life. If you ever outgrow a need to be coached in your life, you're going to be a lousy friend. Boy, this is hard-hitting. I thought it was going to be kinder than this today. I'm sorry, man. This is tough. But I got to tell you, my best coach in my life, because I've got radio coaches as well, these guys, they make you play back whole segments that you spoke, and they pick it apart. Don't get into radio and be one of these morning guys if you don't have the chops to get analyzed in front of a whole team of people. That's what I have. And here's what I want you to know. The best coach that I've ever had in my life is my bride. In a week of radio, sometimes she'll call or text a couple of times going, hey, you communicated something there. I'm not sure you wanted to do that. My first reaction is, to be very candid with you, is I kind of bow up a little bit. Don't we, Jose? And we kind of bow up a little bit. We're like, oh. And we, even with friends, when I've had friends just come to me going, hey, Carl, and I've got a, I got a friend who's a manager in radio, and he'll come to me and go, hey, Carl, hey, about this. And uh, yesterday we had an elder meeting, and Jim Coakley didn't agree with me fully on one point, and he had a little nuance for it. And I'm like, initially, I'm like, oh. and then, oh, this guy loves me. He's for this church, and we have to have voice for every leader here, or else we're toast. But my bride has been the best coach. She's sweet. She's, she reads a room really well. She's got a high levels of emotional intelligence. And man, when she gives me stuff, I'm like, wow, that's good. And I can tell you right now, the greatest growth I've ever had in my life is attributed to my bride, Janan. Multiplied impact, man. Second thing, life support. That's what you find in the text. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. You've seen the commercials, help, I've fallen and I can't, you know. Sorry, had to throw that in there. You need more than just some life alert button. You gotta have a running partner who you trust. Now, in Alaska, I've got friends that climb mountains. I've never had to do this. Thank God I've never had to do this. I got a fear of heights. But when you climb the final ridge of the ascent to Mount McKinley, they call it Mount Denali now, 
I've got multiple friends that have climbed McKinley. I've got one friend that's climbed it 70 times. Now, McKinley is not a hard climb, except that it uh, takes a lot of oxygen out of you. It's not a technically hard climb, but on one final ridge to the summit, it's like shoom, thousands of feet and shoom, thousands of feet, and there's a lot of dead corpses down there, frozen. They don't even do body recovery sometimes. Mount Everest, there's dead people all over the place. But here's what you got to know. They do, they do this thing, and it's called ridge jumping. No joking. So they're lined up. They're clipped into a rope. They're clamped in. But if the guy in front or the guy behind falls off one side, you know what the other guy has to do? Jump the opposite way. <laughs> now that's crazy. But it's necessary to live. It's life support. That's what a friend does for you. When one falls, the other one's there to pick them up, and they're willing to take a dive off the other side to make sure that you don't fall to your death. Wow. Or when you lay down, you don't want to get cold, and this isn't a weird passage. It's, it's written at a time when, you know, there weren't, you know, Tom Baudet and show up at your circle six. I mean, they didn't have that. I mean, you got, you're camping out. And so when you're laying down and you're traveling, you're out hunting, you're gathering agrarian culture, you got to lay down and get warm. I know this from Alaska. It's called snow caving. First time I snow caved, I was 15 years old. Dug out a big old chunk of snow, got spruce boughs in there, got in there. It was pretty warm, but I could tell if you laid there by yourself, no good. But man, I'm telling you, it was amazing. Middle of the night, 2 a.m., outside Resurrection Pass, cold, uh, probably 20 below zero. Inside, we are snow caving. We are huddled up in our mummy bags, just tucked up. All we got is a little breathing hole here, and we are in a snow cave with a little hole into it. And we are lined up, like sardines in a can. That's why I like sardines too. Just lined up there. And we're just like bumping right against one another. And we were toasty warm. That's what a friend is. A friend is a spiritual snow caver. You can tell them Carl said that. Third one, they got your back. Oh, yeah. And though a man may prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. They got your back. This life is a spiritual war, if you haven't noticed, and Satan doesn't fight fair. People don't fight fair either. Defending has to be done from time to time, but having someone who has your back when you're getting bloodied from behind can save your life and help you live to fight another day. He can. And here's the added benefit. When someone has your back, you can venture deeper into, get this now, enemy territory See, when Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, I think he was talking about a healthy church. And a healthy church is a church that has real friends. You have those kind of friends. And here's the bigger question for the morning. The only greater thing than choosing friends is being a friend someone wants to choose. That's the only thing greater. 
Come on up, Jose. I want to speak to this one for a second. You know, if we look back over this, I think the tendency is to look at this and say, you know, I want to go over this a little bit, Carl, and think about it in my heart and mind. Yeah, I mean, I've had suck-ups in my life, and I've had a few surgeons. I think it's good to look at those things. I think it's really good. And I've valued greatly by studying what it is to have good friends, choosing them. But I got to tell you something, leave this up here. The only thing greater than choosing friends is being a friend someone wants to choose. So I want to ask you, are you a surgeon or are you a suck-up? Are you willing to throw someone under the bus if you can climb another rung? It's an opportunity this morning to turn around the word called repentance, go a new way. And you know, I think everyone in this room has some growing to do, even a little bit, even the best of us. Right? Is, is anyone above this here? Um, raise your hand. God, I got to meet you before I go home today. And the question is, how do we do this? Not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. I I need you to hear me right now. If you try to bootstrap in your own strength, it's called the flesh, your ability to be the kind of friend to someone else, you will not do it. But if through humble submission before God, You say, Oh Lord, make me that person. I don't have what it takes. He hears that prayer and he will change your heart. One day my bride came to me early on in our marriage and she said, Bub, I got to talk to you. I said, What's going on, baby? says I'm afraid to talk to you about some things and you're ripping yourself off surgeon comes knocking open the door let them in you're not going to like everything they say but you will grow like crazy Father help us help us to be friends in intimate marriage, in small groups, in 180 homes, in, in discipleship, in eating together. Oh God, make us into friends.
thank you. In Jesus' name.